welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to this spirit-filled word by David Entry. When you catch a word, you have caught God. May you catch a word today that will cause God to change your story. Be blessed. Jesus, in his own words, came on earth to do what no man can do. And what did he come to earth to do? I know if I ask what did Jesus come to do, I think one of the immediate responses would be he came to die, right? Yeah, Yeah, I mean. Um, He didn't come to do miracles. Miracles are just an endorsement of heaven upon a messenger on earth from God. So if God sends you from heaven, sometimes you will have to lend his weight to what you are saying. And how does he do that? Since no one can see God, we see his acts. So the Bible says that they went everywhere. Mark chapter 16, verse 20. They went everywhere preaching God, working with them, confirming his word with signs, wonders, and miracles. Acts chapter 2. Jesus Christ, verse 22. A man attested by God unto you with sign. God himself attested him by miracles, wonders, and signs. So that's how God showed that I am with this. Moses said to the people, for God himself will raise a prophet like unto me amongst you. Hear ye him. So when Jesus Christ came, there was the need for God to put his weight behind him to show that I have sent him. That is why the apostles, they worked miracles. God was with them. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 2, the Bible talks about how God first spoke his word, but was confirmed by his apostles to us with the Holy Spirit as well, working signs, wonders, and miracles. Verse 3, how shall we ask if we neglect so greater? Which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Look at the verse 4. The Holy Spirit and God also bearing witness, both with signs. See how God bears witness? So I don't know why people think God has stopped working miracles. Because God bears witness to his word with signs. But Jesus didn't come to work signs. The signs and miracles were just a witness of God to the purity of the word he spoke. Now, so why did Jesus come on earth? One day he asked his, 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 his disciples, who do men say I am? And in Matthew chapter 16, and then who do men say I am? Verse 13. And then he said, who do you say I am? And they said, you are the Christ. Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that was the most accurate description of Jesus. Anyone who doesn't have this understanding about Jesus cannot be a Christian and will not make it to heaven. And that's a very important point. So he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, no teacher can tell you this. Man can tell you. It doesn't matter how we try to explain it. Uh, Unless the Holy Spirit gets involved, you won't get it. So that's actually a sign that salvation is a work of the Spirit. Because you can't be saved by just teachings. And preaching preaching doesn't save. But God uses the, 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 the instrumentality of preaching to save. But the agent of salvation is the Holy Spirit through the preaching. 
So they went everywhere preaching. And the Holy Spirit must work with them. That is why he told them, don't go. Don't try preaching until you endure the power from on high. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. Don't attempt to preach without the Holy Spirit. And Luke chapter 24 verse 49. Jesus said, you will be endued with power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that was uh, his closing comments on earth. And after these things, he just blessed them and went. So the last thing he actually told them, wait till you are in Jerusalem. So no one gets saved without the Holy Spirit. No one gets saved without the Holy Spirit. In other words, how do you get saved? By getting to know that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, and putting your faith in him. Now, to know and accept that he's the Messiah, it doesn't come by you going to catechism. It doesn't come by you going to Sunday school. It comes by the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit can use catechism. The Holy Spirit can use Sunday school. And those are the things the Holy Spirit uses. He doesn't use angels. So the one who said an angel came and told me that Jesus died for me is lying. The angels can't preach. They can deliver a message to show you to go to a preacher. God has committed the message of salvation to men, not to angels. Angel appeared to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. And he says, send to Joppa. It's a long journey. But Peter must come. He will preach to you. But tell me what he's supposed to know. I can't say it. Because even if I say it, it won't work. Because the Holy Spirit is not on me. <laughs> anyway, so Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven, the Spirit of God is the instrumental cause for knowing who Jesus is. Then the big thing comes in. And Jesus said, upon this rock, what's the rock? The revelation of who I am. I will build my church. Let's, let's already have from the screen, if you can see it. Let's go. Peter, and of this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Upon this rock, I'll do what? Upon this rock, I'll do what? This is a very important factor to know. Build your church? Are you a builder? I will. Oh, so you have intentions to build? He never revealed it to anybody until Peter found out who he was. As soon as you found out who he was, the disciples found out and said, okay, upon this work, I'll build my church. And the Bible says from that time, it tells them how the Son of Man must go to Jerusalem, be arrested by the bride priest, and be killed. And Peter took him aside, started rebuking him. You are about to build the church. You are the Messiah. How can you go and die? But he didn't understand that the building must start through his dying. So why did he die? Because he had to die so as to build the church. Because the church can be built by not physical hands, because God does not dwell in temples made by hands. According to Acts chapter 17, I think verse 24, and Acts chapter 7, verse 48. God does not dwell in temples. He said, God who made the world and everything, since he is the Lord of earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Take notice of this is a very important point. And in Acts chapter 7, verse 48, or 47 and 48, it says that, however, the most high does not dwell where? In temples. He didn't say he doesn't dwell in temples, but the temples that hands make, he can't dwell in it. What do we mean by temples that hands have made? No human being can build God a house. That is why Jesus said, I will do it myself. 
By all, I've been teaching this over and I will never stop teaching it. From, from Genesis, God has always desired a building. He's always wanted a building to house himself. He wanted a house. You, I know you want to buy a house. God also wants to build a house. And so you can see that because God does not dwell in temples made by hands, and yet God needed a house, he never instructed any man to build him a house. He didn't tell anyone, build me a house. Because no one can build him a house. God wants a house. Where? On earth. Heaven has, there's no problem there. He wanted a house on earth. However, those who live on the earth, the occupants on this earth, don't have what it takes to build for God. And yet, he needs a house on earth. So as it were, if he needs a house, then you have to come and build it yourself, since none of us can build it. And so, when he brought the Israelites, um, he first of all, after the fall, he formed a people. So God had his own people. And he wanted to be amongst them. And he never told anyone of them to build a house. He raised judges, he raised kings, leaders and rulers over his people. But all the things he told the leaders to do never included, okay, build me a house. And yet, he's always wanted a house. But what he had permitted them to do, which he didn't actually request them, but anyone who worked with God from the early days, built. Everyone, as soon as Noah came out of the ark, you remember, God told Noah, build me an ark. Not a house. Built an ark for the saving of his own house. <laughs> By faith, the Bible says that Noah obeyed and built an ark for the saving of his own house. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. The ark saved his house. But God wanted, watch this, God wanted a remnant on this earth, so he asked him to build an ark. But as soon as he came out of the ark, Genesis chapter 8, verse 20, he built an altar. So as soon as he came out of the ark, and Noah built an altar to the Lord. An altar is a meeting place between God and man. So man can build an altar, man can build a tabernacle, man can build a temporal structure called a temple, but no man can build the house of God. So Abraham, when God called Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, from verse 1, he said, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, move out of your father's house and that and that and that, I'll bless you. After all that encounter, look at the verse 7. Verse 7 says that, then the Lord appeared to Abraham, okay, and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And what did he do? And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Why did he build an altar? The motivation for the building of the altar was the appearance of God to him. God's appearance to him was what motivated him to build an altar. Sometimes you attempt to do things for God when you haven't been inspired by God because God is the one who is at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. So when God is in you, there are things you can't do for God until you've heard from God. That's why it's always important when we come to church, we need a time where the word of God can come so that we can hear from God through the teaching of his word. And when you hear from God, you'll be empowered to do some things. 
Abraham attempted to build for God because God appeared to him. And he didn't, what did he build? He built an altar. He built an altar before he erected a tent. So in verse 7, he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And in verse 8, he erected a tent and called the name. And Abraham erected a tent. And chapter 13 as well, verse 18, he built an altar. And you can see throughout the scripture in Genesis chapter 22, verse 9, he built an altar. In Genesis chapter 26, verse 25, Isaac built an altar. So these guys were altar builders. They built altars, and guess what? Whilst they were building altars, they erected tents. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, it said, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of promise, they dwelt in tents. Verse from verse 9. They dwelt in tents. Why? Because he looked for a city. Can you imagine, Pastor? Abraham from Genesis chapter 12 was looking for a city. When after God appeared to him, he looked for a city. He looked for a city. Oh, this is getting a bit interesting. When God appeared to Abraham, what did he do? He erected, sorry, built an altar, erected a tent. Why don't you build a house? No, a house is permanent. He said, no, I'm looking for a city. The reason why he didn't build a house is because nothing on earth is permanent. So he didn't put his, all his hopes in one place. So according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse, verse 9, it says that by faith he dwelt, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country. Dwelling in tabernacles, dwelling in tents with Isaac, Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. They all dwelt in tents. And what I like, look at the verse. verse. Why did he do that? Because he sought for a city. He waited for a city. King James said he sought for a city. He waited for a city which had foundations. He looked for a city which had foundations. Who's, ah, who's builder? God is a builder. Hallelujah. Amen. Except the Lord builds. God is a builder. Psalm 127, verse 1. the Lord builds. So God is a builder. Abraham looked for a city which had a builder whose foundation was God. Builder and foundation was God. And then verse 13, it says that, of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, it said, all these died in faith, having not received the promise, having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. Look at verse 14. Let's, let's move forward. So, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. The next verse, we're going to verse 16. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they had come out, from they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. Their minds were not on the earth. But you know what they thought? Look at the next verse. I like that one. But... Now they desired a better country. That is a heavenly. Wow. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared. <laughs> Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. God had prepared. No wonder Abraham sought a city. So when he met God, his mind was on a city. The Bible ends with a city called the Holy Jerusalem. They lived for that city. Then so Jesus shows up. And Noah built an ark, and then for himself built an altar to meet God. Abraham built an altar. All these great people of old kept building altars, kept building altars. And God told Moses, he brought them, after he formed the people in Israel, he brought them out of bondage, and he told Moses, tell Pharaoh, let my people go that they worship me. When they got into the wilderness, they needed a presence. 
So he told Moses, build a tabernacle. He said, tell Exodus chapter 25, verse 2. He said, the Lord told Moses to speak to the children of him, bring me an offering. Then he began to describe the kind of offering. You bring it that I might build. Look at the next uh, verse 8. Verse 8, verse 8 says that. And let them make a sanctuary. It wasn't a permanent structure. Do you know where the permanent structure came in? The permanent structure came in because there's this young man who was a shepherd. And God picked him from peasantry into greatness, in prominence. And the guy had prospered. The Bible says that. Can you imagine? I pray that will be your testimony. Amen. Let me finish saying that you can know what I mean. <laughs> that God will give you rest from war all around. What? Shout amen. Now watch this. God give somebody on earth rest from war. It wasn't his technology. It wasn't his smartness. It wasn't his might in military, even in, in battles. Even though he won battles and he knew how to fight, it was God who was behind it. Yeah. David said in Psalm 144 that the Lord teaches my fingers to war, that a bow of iron is broken by my hand. God, it is God who gets me with strength. He teaches my fingers to war. So God taught him to war. Blessed be the Lord, my strength, which teaches my hand to war and my fingers to fight. So when God wants to give you victory, students don't say you write the exam for you. No, he will let you, he will teach you how to write it and pass. But don't forget to give him the credit. David sat in his prosperity, sat in his peace, sat in his house, luxurious house, mansion, and he said, when God has given him rest from, I'm talking about 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1. And it came to pass, when the king was dwelling in his house, what? And the Lord had given him rest from all, oh, I, see, I feel this is somebody's testimony. If God gave David, who, who was in the Old Testament, then you who are a son of God, oh, God gave him rest from all his enemies round about. That shall be your portion. I said, that shall be your testimony. God has given rest from war from all his enemies, and then he sat down in his house. And then as soon as he, he felt comfortable, David is a grateful guy. The problem with some of us is we just tend to forget too much. And because of our propensity to forget quickly, we tend to also lose faith very fast. Because if you remember where God has taken you, from and where he has brought you, it is easier to trust him for where he's going to take you. So David, he was very wealthy. He did something very strange. Very strange. He had wealth, gold, silver, diamonds. He had wealth, had everything. He is the one man in the Bible who was so wealthy, but when he was dying, he didn't leave anything for his children. Solomon is heir. He said, everything I have, I've given. I've given it to the building of God's house. So when we are talking about Jesus being the son of David, it wasn't a gift that was given to him. It was a heart condition he had that integrated him into the central aspect of the move of God on earth. Not because of his extreme purity. Not because of his impeccable faultless behavior, 
but because of a certain type of heart he had for God, which translated into an addiction for the house of God on earth. David, when he had been settled, let's look at the text. I think this will be a good text to look at. Second Samuel. Somebody's blessed. Second Samuel chapter 7. So we got to verse 1. And the verse 2 says that, Then the king sent unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in an house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. Now, the ark of God was a symbol of God's majestic presence amongst them. So wherever the Israelites were going, they have to carry the ark because it shows that God is with them. It was the symbol of God's, it was an actual physical evidence of God's presence. So whenever the ark was, it shows that God was with them. They didn't move without the ark. And they, they revered the ark as the presence of God. And so it, it, God instructed Moses, put the ark, when you build the tabernacle, put the ark, have three chambers, body, soul, and spirit. The outer court, the inner court, and the holy, holies of holies. So three, three, three. And they, they kept, he said the only thing that is supposed to be in the holies of holies is the ark of the covenant, which symbolizes my presence. And no human being is permitted to go there because that's where I am. That's where I am. You can't enter God's presence because you are not clean enough. You can't go there. But someone needs to go there to give sacrifice. So who must go? Okay, it should be the high priest then. The priest over all the priests. The highest in the land. He must go there and he can't go there any day. He should go there once a year. And even that when he's going, the tradition was they had to tie a rope to his feet. And he had bells at the hem of his, they used to wear this garment, they have bells. So whilst you are out, you can hear it, that means the man is still alive. If he goes there and you don't hear any movement, you don't hear it, that means that no one can go there. So how do you have to bring him out? You have to, you have to pull the head. Does that make sense when Hebrew says that, therefore let us come boldly before the throne of grace? Because the dynamics have changed. Yeah, therefore, let us come. In Hebrews chapter, oh, chapter 10, verse 19, it says that seeing that we have, look at Hebrews chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 19, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the holies. No human being enters the holies of holies. But how do we go there? We go there, you see, you don't have to go empty-handed. Jesus Christ went there first, presented his blood. That's why he's the forerunner, so that we, oh, come on. So he said, having the boldness to enter into the holies of holies, by the blood of Jesus, let us, by a new and a living way, which Jesus has consecrated for us through his flesh. When he died on the cross, he now consecrated. That's why the curtain in the temple torn, Matthew chapter 27, the curtain torn from top to bottom because the dynamics have changed. That's a new and a living way. But let's go back to, the, the, so they, they had to put the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. But now when they moved and built it again, and the, it's not, and no, you, you are not supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant. You are not supposed to be touched. It's supposed to be borne by Levites on their shoulder. They carry it. That's why they made a mistake and put it on a cart. And the cart stumbled, it was going to fall, and Uzzah tries to help. Don't touch it. God strikes him. He was trying to help God. God said, I don't need your help. He died. Second Samuel chapter 6. And David fears, said, don't, don't bring this ark to them. 
and it was taken to the house of Obededom. And it was after three months, David was told that the house of Obededom is heavily blessed because of the ark. David said, ah, let's go and bring the ark. The ark must come. The ark. And then this time when they were bringing the ark, they did it properly. And David was dancing, praising God because the ark was coming. And his wife, who is a princess, who grew up in the regime of Saul, doesn't understand how to praise God who has brought you from. Because she was born into it. She wasn't brought from anywhere. Stood there and said, David shouldn't be dancing in public like that. But he was not dancing in public. He was dancing before the Lord. But the wife saw the public. But David didn't see the public. He saw the Lord. And the wife despised him in her heart. And when David went back home to bless the house, the wife began to sneer at him and say, how, how shameful was the king. How you uncovered yourself. The way you didn't carry yourself with dignity. David said, don't you know that it was before God I was dancing. And he said, I will even do it more. I will dance more. He said, God who chose me instead of your father. It was before. You see, you didn't know. Come on. Yes. He said, the Lord who chose me. It was before the Lord who chose me instead of you, your father. He chose me. And I'm dancing before him. You are complaining. He said, I will even do it the more. And watch this Bible said, therefore, I'll play more. Because of that, she was the only woman in the Bible who never had child. David had a, but see, charismatics have taught this is the secret of David because he danced. No, 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 it wasn't. He danced because he was, his heart was sold out. He, was, he danced because the ark was coming. That's why he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to... He, he had an affinity for the things of God, for the house of God. You can the time you come to church. And yet she wanted the, 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 the blessing of David. <laughs> Look at your attitude. You choose, you go to church when you want to. You go to church when you want to. You serve in church when you want to. With an attitude. And yet you think, God owes me a blessing. Sure, you get the general blessings. But specific blessings have address and names on it. And those ones must be provoked. And so David said, ah. then he said, Nathan, come. Look, I live in a house, but the, the ark of God dwells in tents. David said, no, 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 no. I can't take that. If I live in a house, the house of God must dwell in something better, must live in a mansion. By so doing, he was implying, I want to build God a house. Ah, how did I start? Didn't I tell you God has been wanting a house on earth? Then David said, I want to build God a house. So let's look at the text. I think the text should do the talking. I feel like preaching. Okay, the Bible will do the speaking. Verse 3. It came to pass that night, not tomorrow night, not the next week, that same night, that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go, tell my servant David, that says the Lord, Shall thou build me a house for me to dwell in? It's a question. Would you build me a house, David? God, is there any problem? <laughs> Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. Said, oh, that's all I've got. Intent and tabernacle. Watch this. Verse 7. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not me a house of cedar? I never complained. I never asked, Why haven't you built me a house? I didn't ask anybody. Even though I have never dwelt in a house. 
And all of them, they didn't even think about it because it wasn't part of the job description. God never added the job. You know, for instance, you get a job and they say that you have to, that your job is like regional manager of Tesco. And now they said, you have to go to parliament and speak on the behalf of the nation. No, that's not part of your job description. <laughs> that can't be part of your job. <laughs> that's the job of a prime minister. It's not for you to do that. So God says that, no, I didn't add that to the job descriptions of the people I raised. Verse 8, Now therefore so shalt thou say unto my servant David, that says the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, from following sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. Ah, that's so nice. May God remember you and take you from somewhere. He said, I took you. You didn't apply for it. You didn't push for I took you. You didn't even know. I took you from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest. A new King James. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies. See, God, God did that. So can God cut enemies off people? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't be afraid, okay? They said, you see what we will do to you. Don't be afraid. God has says, he says, and cut them off. <laughs> I've cut off all your enemies. Abestan. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more because they are nomads. They are always moving. Nor shall the son of wickedness oppress them anymore as previously. Since the time I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. They said they won't be moving anymore. Also, watch this. This is where I keep the thing. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. God says, so God says, since I brought them, I never requested for a house, but I'm going to settle my people, so no problem. My promise is sure. But asking anyone to build me a house, I've never done, because it will be an unfair request, an unreasonable request. How? Because we read from scriptures, the creator of heaven and earth, the God of heaven, the most High, does not dwell in temples made. So why would I ask them to make me temple? I'm content with the tents and the tabernacle, temporal structure. It was David who introduced a permanent structure. So God, for the first time, had to speak concerning a permanent structure. But he had to speak about his original intent and then put in a factor for something permanent, even though it's not going to be his main place because you can't do it. But he said that you can't do it for me, but a son of yours will do it. A son. A son. It says in the verse 12 that when your days are fulfilled and rested with your father, I will set up your seed after you. There's a seed coming after you. I will set him up. Who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom? Look at the next verse. It said, he, he shall build a house for my name, not you, David. He shall build a house for my name. So it was always commonly known that it was Solomon who built a house for God. All right. So before David died, as I told you, he, all his investments, his shares, bonds, savings, everything, he said, Solomon, sorry, I didn't leave anything in the account. I've given it all to the building of God's house. And he said to Solomon, First Chronicles chapter 22, verse 11, one thing he just told his son, as for you, my son, build God's house. Yes, sir. Wow. 
Because that was his greatest secret on earth. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you and do what? And may you prosper. May you prosper. May you prosper. The prosperity with an assignment. May you prosper and build the house of the Lord your God as he has said to you. And in the verse 5, he says that the, my son Solomon is young, but the house that must be built for God must be magnificent. In fact, King James said, exceedingly magnificent. <laughs> 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 uh, the Lord must be exceeding magnificent of all fame and of glory throughout all countries. That's what, but Solomon is young. So he was telling his leaders, let's back him. So when he was dying, his dying words were, make sure you build a house. Now, but there's the conundrum here. Pastor, you just said no one can build a house for God. Why did he tell Solomon that a seed will build for me? And David told his son Solomon, build a house for God. Why? Because when he told David, your seed will build for me, everybody would think it's Solomon. Solomon is not the only seed of David, but he's the one, the heir of David. He inherited the throne. So it was logical that he was the one to build. And so everybody said, David actually told his leaders, help my son, let him build. And so Solomon never fought one battle because his regime was building a temple. So it was Solomon who built a temple for God. He built a temple for God so that the Ark of the Covenant can have a permanent place. Why the temple? Because David brought it. David suggested, let's build something. And the only thing you can build is temple, even though God doesn't dwell in temples made by hands. But they had to build something. So Solomon built it. But when you look at the summary of the Old Testament in the New Testament, according to Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 7 is the summary of the Old Testament in the New Testament. He summarized everything in the Old Testament. Then he spoke about how Moses delivered them from Israel, and he says that, and then Moses built the tabernacle from verse 35. So Moses built the tabernacle, and they rejected the Moses. Uh, Moses. Let's go to verse 40 because of that. And saying, they told Aaron to make them go so they can go, and God was not happy with them. Quickly, let's move on to the next verse. And they made a calf in those days, idol. God wasn't happy. Let's go to the next verse quickly. Then God turned and gave them up to worship of the host of heaven as written in the book. And so God gave up on them. Verse 43, quickly. You also took up the tabernacle. It's talking about what the fathers did, all that. Let's go to, I think, verse 44, my dear. Our fathers, you see, this is what Moses said. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the, in the wilderness, as he appointed, instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. So before Moses even watched this, even the tabernacle he built, God showed him a pattern. Make sure you do it exactly the same. The same thing is repeated in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5. Make sure he was strictly warned. Make sure you build according to the path. No one builds for God by their own, according to their whims. When Noah was about to build the ark, God gave him the pattern. He gave him exactly, because if you are building for God, it must follow a certain godly. You can't just build what human beings think is good. You have to buy into the mind of God and know what he wants and create it there and then you can attract God. God operates only in atmospheres. So if you don't create the right atmosphere, God cannot come and operate there. So before you, for God to come, he has to give you the specification of the atmosphere he requires. You know when the, uh, the, the I think it's a Pfizer, the jab, it must be stored in a certain atmosphere at a certain temperature. So even when it's being transported, they have to create 
you know, a certain atmosphere for it till it gets to the hospital and it will be in the atmosphere. When they're about to use, they bring it and quickly put it in your body. Because it only is viable when you keep that atmosphere. So God said, if you want to keep my presence, you must look for the atmosphere I have prescribed and create the atmosphere and I will just come in for you. I see God coming to your house. And so they built this tabernacle and as Moses was warned, look at verse 45, watch this. Which our fathers, having received in turn, also brought with Joshua into the land. This all talking about all God, whom God drove out. So this talking about all God did for them. And they, so watch this. Which our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until they until the days of David. Well, David, you can't talk about the history and the working of God among Israelites and ignore Abraham and ignore David. You have to pass through David to get to Abraham. From Jesus, on your way to Abraham, you have to go through David. David is a significant, pivotal, or a landmark figure in the Old Testament. They didn't even mention Moses. Moses was not mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. He wasn't mentioned. But David, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the first name in the New Testament, Jesus Christ, the second name is David. It should have been Abraham. The genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of? David. The son of? David. What did God tell David when he said, I want to build a house for you? He said, your son. Your son. That's why Jesus was called the son of David. The son. That son of David, because David had many sons. It's a, it's a prophetic and it's a covenant name. Why? It was pointing to the builder. Oh, somebody's getting The actual builder of God's house. The actual builder of God's house. That's why he said, who do men say I am? Because all the Pharisees, according to Matthew chapter 22, verse 41, the Pharisees described, they all knew that the Messiah must be the son of David. They knew it. Jesus said, who do you, Jesus said, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? The said, he's the son of David. It's just as everybody knows it. It's just, if anyone is going to be a queen or a, a, a king in this country, he must trace his genealogy to Elizabeth. So it's just common knowledge. So for the one, the Messiah, it was known by all scribes, all scholars, all everybody. It was just common Jewish knowledge that the Messiah must be the son of David. Mm. The Messiah must be the son of David. And Jesus gave them a, a question that confused them. He said, if then he's the son of David, why does David say that the Lord said to my Lord? That means that ah, this person is David's Lord, not just his son. And they couldn't answer him the question. Bible says from that time, no one asked him a question. That was the last question. No one bothered to ask him. They shut up permanently because there was a bigger question they had not been able to answer. So who is the father of the Messiah? Whose son is the Messiah? From what we just read. Whose son? Whose son is the Messiah? I can't hear you. Oh, come on, preach me. I said, whose son is the Messiah? Just that the Christ is supposed to be the son of David. And we know that the son of David is supposed to build for God. So that is, that's, that's why the, the Messiah is the son of David. But Jesus comes to Caesarea Philippi and he says that, who do you say the Messiah is? And Peter said, the Messiah, you are the one, the son. Ah, he didn't say the son of David. That's what the Pharisees didn't know. That the Messiah was the son of God and son of David. Because that Messiah is a very 
unusual personality. He cannot be, his origin cannot be purely earthly. His origin must be supernatural. And he is the one, so the temple and the house of God must be built by a supernatural being. A supernatural, he's so supernatural yet human. And he's so human yet supernatural. He came. That's why when he said that you are the son of the living God, Peter said you are the son of the God. Jesus said now, he said, upon this rock I'll build. Ah, so you are the one to build? Upon this rock. You see, he, the Messiah, everybody knows that he's the son of David. But until you know he's the son of God, you haven't started the journey of salvation. So I'll build my church. I'll build my church. I'll build my church. And so God told David that your son will build. And then when we read this, it says in Acts chapter 7, verse 46, it talks about the dwelling there until the days of David who found favor before God. And watch this. Watch this. He found favor before God and he put in an application. Okay. He requested, David requested to find a dwelling for the God of Jesus. He said, please, God, I want to build a house for you. Please, I want to build a house for you. Please, God. He has money. He had everything. He didn't say, I want to go for more holidays. I want to build more houses. I want more prosperity. He said, I want to build a house for you. And normally when God was speaking to people, he talks to them. He talks to them. So, but David, as soon as David said, I want to build your house, God turned. How did this enter your heart? Since I've never requested it from any human being. How did this enter your heart to build a house for me? Where did this come from? David! Oh, Nathan, go and tell David that I will build him a house. Wow. Ah, yeah, second Samuel chapter 7. He said, the Lord says that he will build you a house. Verse 11. He says that, and also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. Mm. What house? Verse 1. Wasn't he living in a house? Yes. A house of cedar. Very prosperous, powerful palatial house. He was living in it. So, God, what do you mean by a house? And then he took, he threw a bit more light on it. That after you are dead and gone, I'll raise your seed. That's the house. You don't have a house until you have posterity. Hallelujah. <laughs> he said, I will raise your seed after you. And that seed is the one who built me a house. That's how I'm going to build you a house. Building him a house, man. Building him a name. And the throne of David, not Solomon. The throne of David is an everlasting throne. Because of that son. That son. There is a royal son who is coming. It's a ro he carries royalty, and yes, he's a priest. The only one who could combine priesthood and royalty is never in the Bible. He's just Melchizedek. Melchizedek, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1. Melchizedek, he was the priest of the Most High and the king of Salem. Hallelujah! His priesthood is after the order of Melchizedek. And so God said, I'm going to give you a son. He's going to be a, a king, and yet he'll be a priest. And he'll build me a house. So now let's look at the text again in Acts chapter 7, verse 46. Look at it. I really want your attention to get this. David desired to build him a house. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. But Solomon, who built it? Solomon. Who built it? Solomon. So the house that David said, I'll build, God said, let Solomon build. He, David was the one who brought this permanent structure for God on earth. Because of his addiction to the house of God, he felt like God's house needed. But God didn't want a permanent structure because no human being. He didn't live. God does not live. Look at the next verse. Let's go. Let's read it. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. The 
don't forget this, what we just read. He said, let's look at the, that verse again. Let's read verse 47. Let's all read. Let's go. But Solomon, David said, I want to build, but Solomon built it. However, what Solomon built is not it. Even though God permitted him for the sake of the natural seed of David, for the sake of the times of David, just build it. But this is not it because, however, God does not dwell in temples made by hands. So then who built it? That's why. That's, that's, that's the whole thing we're talking about. Jesus did a miracle. They said, who are you? Tell us who you are. In John chapter 2, he went to the temple. After turning water into wine, went to the temple, whipped those who were selling and messing up in the temple. And they said, give us a sign. That shows John 2, 19. And the Jews said unto him, what sign? What sign would you give us to, uh, do you show us since you do all the, show, give us a sign. He said, you want a sign? Look at the sign he said he'll give. Jesus said unto destroy this temple, and I'll, in three days, I'll raise it. Is that a sign to show your authority to be doing these things in the church? He said, destroy this house. But you see, because they, they, their thinking was so natural, naturalistic, human, mundane, they missed what he was talking about. No wonder they only got themselves limited by their Christ being the son of David, because they only think in terms of natural but Jesus, when he said that, he wasn't talking about this temple. When he said this temple, there was a problem. Which is, what is the this referring to? That's what they didn't know. Yeah. So they said, Jesus said, destroy this temple, and I'll raise it up in three days. Uh, look at the next verse. And then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you, will you raise it up in three days? For, who do you think you are? Now look at the big, big statement. Look at the next verse. That's bigger. But he's... He was speaking of the temple of his body. Watch this, church. Don't forget this. He was the temple of God when he came on earth. He was the tabernacle. When he died, he raised a better. That's why we are the, we are the body of Christ. So he said, in three days, I'm actually going to rebuild the proper, destroy it, and I'll raise it in three days. He was talking about his body, which was the abode of God. His body, he was the carrier when he was on earth. It was, his name was Emmanuel. God was, he was the container of God. Everywhere he went, he was carrying God. He was the, he was the, because God does not dwell in temples made by hand. So he came and God was dwelling in him and he was dwelling amongst us as God. He was the carrier of God. And he said, you know what? Destroy this temple and I will raise it up and you will get a church. Shout hallelujah. So when he said, I'll build my church, he was the first person to use the term church in the Bible. I'll build my church upon this rock. The church is the temple he came to build. What is so special about this church? I told you God has always wanted a building. But he can't dwell in physical temples. He wanted a people who are stones. Bringing them together, making them a building. Ephesians 2.21 in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. Oh, hallelujah. This is a very serious one. The mystery which, uh, uh, oh, oh. This is, watch this. Then I'll move on and I have to get started. Uh, is everybody getting what I'm yes. teaching? Are you sure you are getting what I'm teaching? Yes. 
This whole church thing, get it right. Get it right. If you do, do it. If you not do it, please excuse the church. <laughs> get it right. It's not about your comfort. It's about his purpose. Too many people have invaded the church not knowing what the church is about. Therefore, goodness sake, the church is the house of God. It's the holy building of God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he says that Christ being the living stone. Verse 4 says that Christ himself uh, is uh, uh, coming unto us, a living stone, rejected of men, but chosen by God. That is precious, the precious stone. Then the verse 5 says, and ye yourselves. Verse 5, you also, as living stones, we are living stones for all purpose, being built together into a holy house, a spiritual house. We are being built together. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what church is about. The church is the house of God. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Said that, but if I delay, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself. Where? In the house of God. Where? Oh, so finally God has got a house on this earth. Finally, God has got a house, what he has always wanted. But how come Moses didn't talk about it? They spoke about it, but in the terms of Christ. Nobody spoke about it clearly. It was hidden. Why? They didn't, Elijah didn't speak about it clearly. Jeremiah couldn't speak about it because they didn't have a clue. Why didn't they have a clue? Because for some reason, God chose from the beginning, when he was creating the heavens and earth, some, a key aspect of his agenda, he hid it in himself. So in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, uh, Ruth, um, First Samuel, Second Samuel, First Kizani, Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, uh, the prophets, major prophets, minor prophets, I don't have time. All that. <laughs> Listen, all that. He was working with them, but still, he has hidden something himself. That's why when David spoke about the church, how, what I want, which I've hidden in myself, how come you pick on it, David? What kind of heart do you have for me? Your heart for me is so intense. David's heart for God was so intense, he ended up picking up what was in the, hidden in the heart of God. Pastor, why are you saying it was hidden? Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. That's what we're reading. It's called, it was a mystery. And the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generation, but now has been revealed. That's apostolic times. So it was hidden. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul was talking about his manifesto. He said, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of this mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hid. Ah, ah. But from the beginning, when the ages began, God hid something in himself. That's why no one knew about the church. So the church is not an Old Testament revelation. They wouldn't know it. Why? Because God hid it in himself. Which from the beginning of the ages has been hid in God who created all things through Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 16 verse 25. Talking about it, it's a mystery. It said, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of the Lord, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began has now been revealed. It was kept secret. What's the mystery? God wanted a house. That is the mystery. From, from beginning to the end, God has always wanted a house. And he had never instructed anyone to build. The everything they told them to build was temporal. Everything he told them to build was temporal because he knew that they couldn't build for him. He had to come by himself. 
So they built altars. Abraham built altars. Noah, altars. They were building altars. Moses, tabernacle. David was the only one who said, I want to build a permanent structure. I said, okay, no, no. Okay, you let Solomon build a temple. That's permanent. By even that, it was destroyed. Where is the temple of Solomon? Nowhere. But the church. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates kabada shahada haya. Hallelujah. So, no, no, no. Let me, let me try and connect it to today. <laughs> Anything you do for the church, you get God's attention. David told Solomon, 1 Chronicles 22, verse 11. As for you, my son. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you. May you prosper and build the house of God as he has said to you. Is it in your heart to build for God? You see, God was not looking for a permanent structure, but David had made God accepted it temporarily. Because, and God rewarded David permanently. <laughs> God rewarded him permanently because no human being is permanent. No, nothing, everything on earth shall pass away. Yeah. Everything on earth, yeah. everything earthly passes. Yeah. It's meant to pass. Mm. But how come David did something and his name was enshrined in permanence, eternity? That's why Jesus is called the son of David. In fact, Jesus, when he was ending the Bible, he said, listen, this is me. Uh, Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. This is what Jesus Christ is saying. Revelation chapter 22 is the last chapter in the Bible. And Jesus was speaking. He said, that time devil doesn't exist. The devil in first two chapters of the Bible didn't exist. Last two chapters of the Bible didn't exist. The rest is everywhere. Okay, so. Going to and fro. Yeah, going to and fro. But Revelation chapter 22, there's no devil existing. And this is what Jesus was talking. He said, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things to the churches. I am the root and the, oh. He refers to, he said, I'm, I'm the root. There's a, a conundrum now. Roots and the fruits. Yeah. I'm the root of David, yet the fruit of David. I came from David, but David came from me. That's what Jesus meant by asking the Pharisees, the Messiah, whose son is he? Okay. If he's the son of David, why did David say, the Lord said to my Lord, ah, is he his Lord or his son? It's a conundrum, the Messiah. But David secured himself a place. He didn't say the son of Abraham. Because you can't be a Jew if you can't be traced to Abraham. But you can be a Jew if you can't be traced to David. Because there are others. Every Jew must trace his descent to Abraham. I say, you are not a Jew. In fact, Paul said that the stock of Israel. <laughs> a Hebrew of Hebrews. <laughs> Concerning the law of Pharisees, Philippians chapter 3. <laughs> yeah. So you have to be traced to Abraham. But Jesus couldn't be bothered about being traced to Abraham because he told the Pharisees before Abraham, listen, I am. He traced himself to David. Why David? That's the key thing, because David determined to build God's house. The reason why you are in church is because God is interested in you being his house. Not because of your job. Please. Please. The reason why he's giving you a job is so that you can work with him and build his church. Uh, yes. yeah. It is in your Bible. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 20, it said, The God of heaven shall prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, we shall arise and build. That's why he's prospering us. The reason why God prospers his people is not to prove, make a statement to unbelievers. He doesn't care about what they think wow. or what they doesn't change anything. God is not interested in making a statement to unbelievers. If there's any statement he will make to unbelievers, it's Jesus died. 
He was buried. He resurrected. And if you put your faith in him, that's all the message God has for the world. For God so loved the world that he prospered you. No. (laughs) Your prosperity doesn't mean anything to somebody's salvation. Your prosperity means everything to God's agenda on this earth. So, he said, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, we shall arise and build. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, he said, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Everything you have is temporal. Why don't you make it eternal? Most people here, you don't, even to give offering, you are struggling. To give tithe, you've been following online teachers who don't understand the economy of God. Yes, yes. And I've been telling you, don't give your money. Don't give your money. You should give your son. <laughs> God said to Moses, stay to the people, the children of Israel. Children of Israel. Children of Israel. His people. Say to them, if you don't give your gold to God, you will use it to build a calf. the children of Israel, Exodus chapter 25, verse 1 and 2. The Lord spoke to Moses, said, say to the children of Israel, say to the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly. That's why it can't, it can't be by force. It's a heart thing and a faith thing. Who gives willingly <laughs> with his heart, you shall take it. Wow. And God begins to specify the offering loans. Every covers everything. He said, verse 3, look at verse 3. He said, and this is the offering that you shall take from them. What? Gold, Gold. silver, bronze, purple, blue, purple, scarlet red, goat, everything. (laughs) (laughs) This this other, no, 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 don't bring Brazilian hair. He said, (laughs) he said, goat skin. And then after saying all that, look at the verse 8. Because I'm, when you go read yourself, verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary. Why? Because I want to dwell in them. The, the only place I want to dwell, let them make me a sanctuary. The yes. only place God can comfortably dwell is amongst his people. Praise God. It's amongst his people. Yes, Lord. And somebody must take a different view concerning the things of God and the church of God. Anyone who marginalizes the church has not, has not met Christ. You can't meet Christ and marginalize the church. Wow. When he resurrected, two times he appeared to individuals. First one was Saul. He said, why do you persecute the church? Why do you persecute me? He direct relation to the church. The second one was from the book of Revelation chapter 1. He appeared to John. He said, write these letters and send them to the churches. Churches. His, his church. Ah! Jesus is the church God. He's the Lord of the church. He's the Lord of the church. And the church is always on his mind. And if you put the church on your mind, he will visit you. Hey. He will visit you without you praying. Wow. <laughs> and not just visiting you, but he's visiting your household, your children, your children's children. That's how to secure. One of the reasons why United Kingdom and Europe is blessed is because of how much they invested in the, in the past. The fathers in America, the fathers have invested so much into the gospel of God, building that. That's why these nations have been blessed and the children have come and turned their backs against God. Turned their backs. But in their lifetime, because of their fathers, but as it goes, their children will end up paying the price of these modern day fathers. Build a church for the sake of your children. 
David was the richest man in the Bible who didn't leave anything for his children or his son. And yet, his son became the richest in all time. Why? He gave him the secret. He said, my son, build a house. That's this. If you build a house, God will build your house. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Somebody must have it in your heart. Bible said, David, it was on his heart. First Chronicles chapter 22, verse 7. Look at verse 7. I'm about to round up. <laughs> Pastor, and David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was on my mind to build. Out. That's what I really wanted to do. That's why God blessed him. He didn't get to do it, but because of his mind. It was on his mind. When he goes to sleep, it was, he was thinking about church. Hey, don't get it wrong. The church is the house of God. We saw it in the Bible. The church. He, said, he says that, that you might know how you ought to conduct yourself. In the house of God. What's the house of God? Which is the church of the living God. And what's the church? It is the pillar and the grounds of truth. As for you, my son, build the house of the Lord, your God. Build. Add the church to your will. Nobody needs your money. But your destiny needs to be connected. There must be a point of reference in your plan, your programming to the house of God. Now, and it's on his pastors, it's money they are looking for. Uh, look, why don't you look for a pastor who is preaching the truth? And then serve God there. What's the point in serving under a pastor you don't trust? You are wasting your destiny because you won't listen to the message. And your salvation is at the point of reference of acceptance receiving the word. So a pastor you can't receive the word from, you are wasting your time still listening to him. Listen, well, it can't give you anything. And what changes is the word, yes. not our will. Your will without the word can't do anything for you. David said, Solomon, it was in my heart to build a house for God. It was in my heart. It was in my heart. It was in my heart. First Kings chapter 8, verse 17. Look at this. I'm ending now. Now, it was in my heart. It was in the heart of my father David. His son knew it. Some of you, our children don't, they know you don't love God that much. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when God wanted to bless Solomon, do you know his point of reference? He said, you were with my father. You blessed him. So do it for me too. Would your children be able to use you as a point of reference, your worship? Will your children be able to use your, your worship as a point of reference in making demand on God? Convenient Christian. David. Solomon, this is, sir, this is Solomon talking. Mm. He said it was in my, my the heart. Well, was he in his father's heart? He lived with the man. With the man. He was in my father. It was in the heart of my father, David, to build a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And one version said, 22.7, First Chronicles 27 said, it was on his mind. It was on my mind. What's on your mind, so long as the house of God is concerned? Apart from coming to listen to good music and good preaching. Good preaching is not good if it doesn't produce results, godly results in your life. So who determines whether a preaching is good? Two. The one preaching must have God's word to speak. Actually, that's also important. That's why pastors must say, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that does not be ashamed. But the listener is the one who ultimately determines 
confirms the good word. Because if a good word is your life is producing bad fruits, then the good word you are listening to, you are actually defying the good word. But I can see so many people here and listening to me whose lives are going to produce good fruits. Shout amen. Conclusion. My title is Build the House of God. But it has been built by Jesus already. What people don't know about physical buildings and physical structure, I said it the other time. A physical church building, a place of worship, is a covenant between God and the land. So a land that has a lot of churches will definitely always have a certain divine immunity in that place. Perpetually. It's a, it's a covenant between heaven. And it's not right that we will be living in Cedar House. I can't quote everything in Haggai chapter 1. He said, the house of God lies in ruins, and your house is okay. You are building your house and you leave God's house. Go and fetch and build and see if God can do it for you. But time is not myself. I want to challenge people. Have it on your heart. And you have to plan major investment into the house of God for the purpose of God's church. I want to challenge everybody here. If you are a genuine Christian, if you have really met God, you would think about building his house. Yes. There are different ways of building his house. Anytime church needs money to do a project, you must be the first. Yes. Every time. And don't hide giving to the church. Yes. Invest. Put your investment and put your, your money where your mouth is. Yes. We have to teach you that as you are raised, you also raise, erect something for God. Yes. Yeah. He said that God will prosper us. Remember, he will give you the power to make wealth that he might establish his covenant. Yeah, it is because of his covenant. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, as I said earlier. First Chronicles chapter 29, David, verse 2, he says that, now, for the house of my God, this is David talking, for the house of my God, I prepare with all my might gold for the things to be made of gold, silver for the things of silver, bronze for the things of bronze, iron for the things of iron, wood for wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, Glistering stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Verse 4, in abundance. Moreover, watch this, this is David, this is David. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I, of my God, I have given to the house of God over and above all that I have prepared for the house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. He has prepared as a king, but he said, now from my own treasure, above everything, I'm giving. David. And we call Jesus the son of David. There's a reason. It's because he's the only one who set his heart to have a house for God on the earth. Why don't us join? Why don't we join the line of David? Join the line of David. Even though it doesn't live in the physical temple, the church must have a permanent structure. National Lottery does not build the church. Who builds the church? You and I. How do we, because it's expensive. Yeah, that's why it's proper, prosper us. So when your level is 100, you do 100. If your level is 1,000, you do 1,000. If your level is 100,000, you do, as you, you are 100,000, you do 100,000, you upgrade yourself, he begins to move you to the million. That is how God does it. Because if God wants to pass, give million to the church, why would he use you? Because your level is 500 and struggling with 50. Why would he bring million? No, he won't use you. So you use somebody else. That's how God works. Level by level. Level by Prove God the level you know you are supposed to be. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. 
When God Speaks, Works Show, and the works will surely show in your life. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date. Be blessed.